Growing up, my father struggled with mental illness and addiction issues. And so when I was a teenager specifically, it was kind of something throughout my life, but when I was a teenager specifically, I really struggled with understanding what was going on. I thought I was the only one who was in a situation like this. I thought it was my fault because I was just a kid. And when it's a parent, it's so easy to be like, well, you know, um, my parents, you know, acting this way or these things are happening and it must be my fault. So I blamed myself a lot. Hey guys, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. My name is Francesca, and today I'm here with the founder of the 16 Strong Project, which is this incredible organization dedicated to empowering the resilient, empowering resilience through adverse childhood experiences, through educational workshops, school partnerships, and community outreach. Absolutely amazing. Samantha Wetji, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit more about 16 Strong Project and how you found it and what your whole mission is? Yeah, of course. So I guess I can start with how I started it or why I started it. And I can tell a little bit about myself if that would help. Yes. Um, so I started 16 Strong Project a few years ago and I really started it in response to my own life experiences. So growing up, my father struggled with mental illness and addiction issues. And so when I was a teenager specifically, it was kind of something throughout my life, but when I was a teenager specifically, I really struggled with understanding what was going on. I thought I was the only one who was in a situation like this. I thought it was my fault because I was just a kid. And when it's a parent, it's so easy to be like, well, you know, um, my parents, you know, acting this way or these things are happening and it must be my fault. So I blamed myself a lot and it wasn't something that we talked about in school at all. So I had no idea like what was really going on. Like I understood that my father struggled with mental illness and addiction, but I didn't really know what that meant or like how that could impact me. And so I spent a lot of my time during high school, um, blaming myself and feeling really alone. And I didn't really talk to anyone about it. And, um, I was someone who, when I was in high school, I was on three different varsity sports teams. I did really well in school and I had a lot of friends, like I had a good social group. And so people kind of assumed that I was totally fine. So I didn't really say anything and no one checked on me. And so internally I was kind of struggling to understand and make sense of a lot of things, but on the outside, it looked totally fine. And so people didn't really think anything of it. So fast forward several years and I have decided to is when I decided to start um, 16 strong to try and help young people who are going through situations like I did um, really understand what's going on put a name to it understand that they're not alone and that they're not to blame and also with that recognition helping young people understand that there are things that you can do in the moment to um, help prevent some of the potential negative impacts that often come along with facing adversity so that in a nutshell is how I started and why I started 16 Strong. And so now we work with different schools. Um, we have a youth advisory board, student ambassadors, and a, a club chapter program that we just started as well. And really the whole goal behind it is trying to help more young people understand what ACEs or adverse childhood experiences are. Um, recognize that either within themselves or potentially like understand their friends or classmates or other people's situations and also really understand that there are things that you can do in the moment to help prevent some of the both short-term and long-term um, mental and physical health impacts as well. 
I absolutely love when you share your story because it's so impactful. I think a lot of people are struggling in high school. They're going through things at home and on the outside, everything looks okay. If you look functional on the outside, no one questions what's going on on the inside. Absolutely. And it causes so many suicides. The suicide rate between the ages of 15 and 24 is insane. It's the second leading cause of death. And having this amazing community and organization where you can learn, where you can talk to other people, you have ambassadors and mentors and people just to explain what's going on and help you through it can be so impactful and truly save so many lives. I am just so incredibly amazed by you. Thank you so much. And yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think, and I can explain a little bit more about what ACEs or adverse childhood experiences are so that we can Um, everyone can be on the same page. But I think for me, what it really did, and I honestly didn't hear this phrase until more recently than I wish, like it was probably only a few years ago where I was introduced to the phrase ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. But even then it was really eye-opening to me because it allowed me to put, it like gave a name to what I personally was going through. I think when I look back at it, I knew what my father was going through, struggling with mental illness and addiction. But And that that was impacting me, but I didn't have a name for what I was going through. It's like, I don't, I'm not struggling with addiction issues personally. Um, He is, and it's impacting me, but it, it made it, um, it made it all the more tangible when I was able to kind of say, oh, well, I was experiencing ACEs as a result of that, or I was, you know, facing an adverse childhood experiences and that's what that means. So I think that's why this is so important to me now too, is to give young people that phrase of like, you are going through something, this is what it's called. And these are some things that you can do about it to have a really positive outcome. I love that because I think a lot of times when we are struggling internally, when we don't have a name or an understanding of what it is, we think we're making it up. And a lot of times people tell us we're being dramatic. um, We are seeking attention, just get over it. Think positive. You know, we always discredit kids. We discredit ourselves as adults, but as kids specifically, we're always discrediting them and telling them they need to just get over it. They're being dramatic. And by having an understanding of what you're going through and to know you're actually going through something, you're not making it up. It's not in your head. You can't just think positive and it's all going to be better. You can't just get over it. That it takes a lot and that there's tools and resources and other people out there who are struggling going through it helps so much because Mm -hmm. discrediting kids is only telling them that it really is in your head and you're not going through anything and you can't be going through anything and you can't have pain. So you have to hold it all in. Yeah, absolutely true. And that's one of the things that we talk about a lot in the workshop that we run through 16 strong is I call them different, like obstacles or barriers that you often face to like seeking help or getting help. And the number one thing, or one of the main things that we talk about is the response that they, that kids often get back from adults when they do ask for help. So things like, oh, um, is that really that big of a deal? Or, oh, are you sure that that happened? Or something that I have even gotten when I was in high school is, oh, but you did so well in your game yesterday. Like, are you sure that, you know, you, you can't have anything going on. You just played so well, or you have all these friends. Um, and another thing that uh, kids hear often is, oh, but this person has this other thing going on. So is that really that big of a deal and comparing it to someone else? And it really makes kids feel like 
either they're making it up or that it really isn't that big of a deal and they shouldn't be too worried about it, which is not true. And so that's something that we see often, like you said, like discrediting kids makes them feel like, well, I made this up or maybe it's not that big of a deal. I'm making, I'm overreacting or something like that. And so we try to help kids understand that there are, you know, ways to advocate for themselves in those types of situations. Um, But it is also important, obviously, for adults that work with kids and that have kids as well to understand the impact that that has. Because I think a lot of times it's not meant to be harmful when that happens, but it is very often harmful. And that kid might not ever say anything again and then might struggle even more internally. Exactly. It's so, so important. And you're so right. A lot of times we compare it to other things like, well, some people can't walk. So is what you're going through really that bad? Right. And everything is relative. And that's what people don't understand. Everything is relative. Sometimes something that's difficult for you might not be as difficult for somebody else because they're not going through that same thing. There's a lot of different experiences and traumas that lead up to something. And people don't realize it. They think, oh, because your parents are going through a divorce, because your parents are struggling with addiction, because um, you feel neglected. It doesn't, people invalidate you because you sell food you're still doing well in school, you're still doing good in sports. If you're still doing good on other things, people just tend to not let you care about yourself. Yep. Yeah, totally. I couldn't have said it better. And something that I heard a lot myself is, and I'm so grateful for this. My mom was always incredibly supportive for me and my brother. And so I was very fortunate to have had my mom and had a parent, but a lot of what I heard, or sometimes I heard, well, at least you have your mom and yes, that was really helpful. However, I was also really struggling because of things that uh, my father was struggling with that led him to certain behaviors and actions that totally impacted our family in really negative ways. But a lot of people just responded looking at the, oh, but at least you have your mom, so it's okay. And again, really grateful for that, but it doesn't make it all okay. And so we often didn't get the help we needed for things because of that, because you you have one parent who can you know, focus on the kids and stuff like that. Um, So that's something that I heard too, where people will look, assume someone's family situation based on what they see too. That's so true. And I think with social media, it's gotten worse, right? Because what we put out there, um, you're only putting out the good stuff. Nobody sits there on social media and puts out the bad stuff. So then we kind of compare ourselves to other people too. And it's like, well, everyone else's life seems perfect. Or they posted a picture with their parents, so everything must be fine. And it doesn't work like that. And I think that having these educational workshops and community outreach is so, so amazing because kids don't realize that. And I think social media is making it an even bigger gap and you're helping to close that gap. So with these educational workshops, how can someone get involved if a kid wanted to join? So typically for the workshops, at least we run through um, schools. So I usually work alongside different school counselors specifically who have designated time with groups of students and they run the workshop alongside me or sometimes I've trained counselors in the past to run the workshop as well. So there's kind of a couple of different options there for running the workshop Um, and they're able to run it in those designated spaces. And something that has always been really important to me is that these groups of students that uh, that we're working with for the workshop are typically not what you would consider like an identified group. Like they're not necessarily a group of students that 
the counselor or the school or anyone knows for sure has faced a certain type of adversity or are struggling. And why that's really important to me is because this issue is so prevalent that it's so important for everyone to learn about. And so that's what's been really important to me throughout this is that it's like kind of like a universal education piece because if it's not you that's going through it, the odds are that it is someone close to you that you know well, and that way you can better understand what they're going through and also provide support. The other piece of that is I've found that you, if it's your life, you don't always realize that it's atypical or that it's impacting you in a negative way because it's just become your normal. And so there is a ton of people out there who are living in certain adverse situations that don't, that wouldn't necessarily have identified as such um, without the background knowledge behind it. And so that's another reason why I think it's so important that everyone learns about this ideally, because there is that recognition, that recognition piece to it as well, that's often missing. Um, yeah. I love that because it's so true. Either a lot of times we don't know we're going through something or we don't know how to support somebody who's going through something. And that's why this is so important. And it's terrible that this hasn't been in the education system to begin with and that the education system has still hasn't made this a requirement. And that's why what you're doing is so, so impactful because it is the first step and it's such an important one. And I hope to see schools around the country adapting this because it's so important. Thank you. Yeah, I, I totally agree because they're, they're really, you're right, it is the first step. And the goal behind it is to really get to the root cause of some of these issues that we're seeing in kid, in adults, but you know, kids specifically, but also adults as well. And we're seeing things like the increased rates of anxiety, the increased rates of depression, the increase in the suicide rate, like you mentioned before. And we're not, and we're, even if we're talking about it, we're not addressing the potential reasons why these things are happening. We're not really looking to what's going on underneath the surface why are kids more anxious why are kids more depressed like why is this happening right now and are there things that we can do to prevent it rather than addressing it after the fact so the idea is to take a proactive approach to some of these major issues that we're seeing by getting to the root cause of it and of course aces or adverse childhood experiences are not they're not always the root cause of it but it's often that Um, some mental health challenges, substance abuse issues, and and otherwise are connected directly to some form of adversity, whether people are aware of it or not. So that's really the goal is to take that step to get to, okay, we're seeing this increased rate, we can address it after the fact, but can we do something about it before it happens? I love that because it's so important to take a proactive approach. And that's something we've been talking a lot about in the mental health community with therapy. A lot of people wait to go to therapy until it's too late, until they're really struggling. They don't use it as preventative medicine, which is what it is. Right. So we've been talking about ACEs and adverse childhood experiences a lot. Can you give some examples of the most common ones that you see, just so people who don't know what they are have some understanding? Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to add, um, I'll just give a quick definition of what ACEs are. Um, ACEs are, generally speaking, potentially traumatic events that occur before the age of 18. And so some of the main examples or the most common examples are things like divorce or parental separation, that counts as an ACE, um, and economic or financial hardship is another one as well. Um, But the list also includes things like physical and emotional neglect, um, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, an incarcerated family member, 
um, living with a parent or family member who struggles with um, addiction issues, um, who struggles with mental illness, a family member who struggles with mental illness as well. Um, there's another, there's a number of other ACEs on the list too, but generally speaking, it's those types of things that we see in the home. And I just wanted to add that the, so the original list of ACEs that came from a study that was done in 1997, I believe, um, there were 10 on that original list. And since then, there's been a number of different studies that have been done and a number of different organizations that have kind of adapted like an extended list of ACEs because there are so many other things that are considered adverse that are not on that original list. And so now we see things on there that go beyond just the household and take into account things like bullying or experiencing racism. Um, weather related issues. So you might lose your home or something because of a tornado or hurricane, things like that. Um, the pandemic, we would often consider the impacts of the pandemic to be a adverse childhood experience. And so that's something that everyone is facing right now in one way or another. So it's amazing how many things are on this list, because these are very common things. I think there's a very high percentage of families that get divorced, their parents separate. Um, a lot of emotional abuse. A lot of times it's accidental because of different ways things have changed. Um, you have the LGBTQ plus community and a lot of times parents aren't supportive. They have the highest rate of homelessness in adolescence. There's so much and everybody and almost everybody, I can't say everybody, but almost everybody is experiencing ACEs. And it's so important that we have these amazing workshops and community outreach programs. And you also have ambassadors that you're currently looking for, correct? Can you talk yes. a little bit more about that? And if somebody wants to get involved, how to contact you? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I'll also add that talking about the prevalence of it, the statistics show that two thirds of people have experienced at like at least one ACE. So like 67% of people. And like you mentioned, the things on that list are happening. We see it happening all the time. And so if it's not, if it's not you, it's likely someone that you know pretty closely and pretty personally because the numbers are so high. And that's why I feel so strongly about everyone learning about it, whether they know for sure that they've faced one or not, because it's just something that should be general knowledge starting at a young age. And exactly. yes, the student ambassadors is a new initiative that we just started a month or two ago. And really the goal is to get as many students and young people involved as we can. And so the student ambassador program is a way for middle school and high school students to um, work with us and we would train them on ACEs, the impacts, and also ways that they can raise awareness in their communities, whether it's their school or their local community in general. And so we have a group of students who have started and we also are always looking for, still looking for more and we'll continue to look for more because we really wanna get as many students involved as possible. And it's really up to the student um, the level in which they want to be involved in because we're trying to make it not too much of a burden that it'll take up too much time. But if you want to be more involved, you totally can be. And so we help students find ways that they can um, that they can raise awareness within their community, whether it's by organizing events in their school, partnering with a mental health club or another type of club that talks about similar topics, um, planning a presentation, gathering stories or collecting stories from their peers or classmates to use as like a school resource, for example, um, hanging fly, even as simple as like hanging flyers in the school that are about ACEs and about their impacts and things you can do about it. Running workshops in health classes. I have a student that's doing a presentation in a health class soon about ACEs and about the work that we're doing to help 
help more students understand. So it's really about getting the word out, raising awareness and having it be more of like a student led type of initiative because I find that when students are talking about it and when young people are talking about it, like that's really where change starts to happen. So trying to involve as many students as possible in whatever, really whatever capacity they feel comfortable with and they have time for. Awesome. And if uh, somebody wanted to join, how can they contact you? Good question. So there's information on our website that I can give you. We have like a uh, Google form as like an interest form and it's 16strongproject.com slash student ambassadors and it's on there um, so we can we can include that somewhere so that people can reach out awesome I'll make sure to include that link in our um, little description Thanks. thank you so much for joining me today you are absolutely incredible and I love what you're doing with 16 strong project because not only do I wish that we had this when I was younger but also just as a mental health advocate and seeing the rising rate of suicide among adolescents, this is so incredibly important and impactful. And I'm just so amazed by what you're doing because you really are saving lives. Thank you so much. That really means so much to me because this is something that is also deeply personal to me, like I mentioned, and it's it's hard, obviously. It can be it can be challenging to get the support that I wish it had because I agree with you. I think it should be in every school. And so it's really about continuing to work to help people understand why this is so important and why we need to talk about this. Like you mentioned, Francesca, it's related back to the increasing suicide rate, the increasing levels of anxiety and depression in young people. And we see all these statistics and all these facts and we need to get to the reason behind it. Like, why is this happening? We need to, we need to talk about the reasons why it's happening and help young people understand what they can do about it while they're going through it. So often we see that people realize as adults that a lot of their challenges that they faced were linked to something they experienced in childhood, some sort of ACE or some sort of adversity. And so we're trying to limit the number of people that are, you know, starting therapy at age 30 or 40, and they're sitting there and they're realizing that so much of what they're going through is linked back to childhood. So if we can just talk about it while they're going through it, we might avoid some of these things down the line or even, you know, in the short term too. Exactly. That is absolutely so amazing and so true because we wait a long time to get help and it affects relationships. It affects job security. It affects so many different things. It affects relationship with kids. When you have kids, if you had adverse childhood experiences that relate to your parents, it can really be difficult to connect with your kids. Totally. It just, it can impact you in so many ways and people don't realize it. And it's so important that we help them before it impacts their lives and makes it really difficult just in the future. Yeah. Yep. The goal is to end that cycle end the generational cycle or the intergenerational cycle that we often see with ACEs and trauma. So trying to stop that in as many instances as we can. I love that. You are absolutely amazing. Thank you again so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. 